A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Well, our guest now has a message for dads. Don't tell your sons to toughen up. Aaron Hendry has worked as a youth worker for a number of years and is now with LifeWise as a team leader, helping to support young people into housing. He believes the messaging young men are receiving is literally killing them in some cases because it's preventing them from seeking help when they're at their most vulnerable. So what kinds of conversations should fathers be having with their sons instead? Aaron, good morning. Good, how are you? Really good, thank you. Could you tell me a little bit more about the work that you do and the kinds of people that you work with, the kinds of situations they're in, I guess? Yeah, um, yeah so I've been a youth worker for, I guess, eight to, to nine years now, and I've, I've worked in a, a variety of contexts in schools, um, in local community and churches. Um, currently working for LifeWise, and we're supporting young people who are homeless or at risk of homelessness. And, Putting them into housing, and, and as you can imagine, there's a lot of um, a lot of concerns there for a lot of people's mental health. We're in that really vulnerable position, so yeah, we support them to gain the skills to independence and and reach the services that they need to to get help. What are their family situations and their parental relationships? Is it the full range? Yeah, a lot of the young people that that we work with. Um, uh, they have a lot of disconnection from their whānau um, for whatever reason. They haven't got a lot of um, a lot of supports around them. And so we come around as, as that, I guess, that whānau support to, to start helping them access the support that they need. But we, we work with a lot of young men, as you can imagine, who, um, for whatever reason, are struggling with mental health challenges too. And um, this whole thing around, I guess we talked about toxic masculinity, is, is part of, I think, what stops them from reaching out for help. What are the messages they get and how that mm. your feelings are all about you just toughening up and just bearing through it? Yeah, I think it's what we're modelling to young men from a young age. Um, obviously there's those phrases, man up, toughen up, that are, um, I guess, really etched into our psyche. Um, but for a lot of young men, um, there's only really two emotions we allow them to have. And on one side, it's anger um, and rage. And the other side, you know, you can be the joker, but we often don't allow young men to process their emotions and actually be vulnerable um, to show, I guess, weakness, um, to cry. So those are things that a lot of young men don't, aren't given permission to do. Um, and so that, as you can imagine, causes a lot of harm because... When our young men are vulnerable, when they suffer from depression or any form of mental illness, they bottle it up, they don't seek help. And we see a lot of young men who are going through, you wouldn't really know unless you asked what they're going through, but they're, they're just pushing it down and not seeking the help when they need it. What is it that fathers are missing sometimes? This is an age too, of course, where there's not a lot of verbal communication often. Mm. It can be monosyllabic or even monoword. What are some of the signs that people may be missing that this isn't just a case of can't be bothered getting out of bed, can't be bothered going to work or turning up for work or has missed an appointment they promised to make and mum's upset or someone else is upset? What are some of the signs to look for that something deep is going on? 
Yeah. I guess when you're seeing young people, I guess, not engaging with, you know, things that they're passionate about, starting to pull back, that's, that's one sign. Um, aggressive behaviour, you know, sometimes young men especially, they'll respond, they cover up their emotions by responding aggressively, and this is something that, as men, we've modelled as a way to, you know, approach things, so, so getting angry and, and, and processing things that way um, is, is another sign. Um, but, but sometimes young people... Uh, I guess covering it up and not, you know, not showing signs. They might be from one level looking like they're doing okay. Um, and I think one of the things we're missing is, as fathers is actually asking, how are you doing? And providing space for young people to be, I guess, be vulnerable and be open about what, what they're going through. Um, I know for myself, when I became a father, it was really crystal clear to me that um, my son will learn a lot more from what I, what I do and, and than what I say. And so for me, the challenge is how do I how do I be vulnerable in front of my son? How do I show him that it's okay to to not be okay? It's okay to cry. It's okay to you know have these emotions, and it's okay to ask for help. I think that's the big thing that we can do. What do you think is some of the cultural backdrop of this? I suppose it's you mm. know the the sort of the staunch. We, we we think of the robust farmers, and interesting we raise this given the mental health. Mm. Desperate mental health situation actually among many of our of our young farmers, um, whether it's that or the sort of the the sporting you know you know the, the sporting's the classic situation, isn't it for the for the whole just toughen mm. up and, and and keep training. What are the other sort of deeper cultural norms that you believe are part of this that completely well intentioned? men might want to rethink about with their sons or, or check themselves just to see if it's happening. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's, it's once again, that toughen up, uh, man up mentality. And, and there's some, you know, good things in that, in that culture of, you know, when things are hard, you know, we keep going, we push through. But the other side is we've created a culture where um, young men don't have permission to, to seek help and be vulnerable. Um, I see it a lot with, um, I guess, especially in the rugby culture, um, growing up seeing sort of young men who were, you know, hurting or severely injured, you know, concussion or whatever that is, being told, tough enough to get back on that field. Um, weakness is seen as something which, um, I guess, is mocked and, and not seen as something that men can have. Um, so we really, I think there's a lot of work for us to do to actually reframe what it is to be a man, to redefine masculinity for our young men. And that means, as men, taking ownership of that, um, we have to model that. Um, we need to start actually showing vulnerability ourselves and cre- creating space for young people to be vulnerable and be open about what they're going through. It's easier said than done in some ways, isn't it? What are some of the practical yeah. ways people can actually practice this instead of resorting yeah. to a well-learned response? And possibly a response that's worked for them or has worked for another kid, but not, might not work for this one. Yeah, yeah, it is hard. And it takes a lot of courage, I think, to start um, modelling this sort of stuff, especially if you've come through it and you're like, oh, okay, I'm not, I don't really need to focus on this anymore. But um, I think it's about just starting to open up, be real about where you are and what you're going through. Um, Often in, in my work, we'll run sort of youth development groups, and um, part of that is we learn that when we as facilitators um, share what we're going through or have gone through and be open and vulnerable, that creates an environment for the young men to actually speak up um, and share what they're going through. 
Um, I think there's this myth within New Zealand culture that men don't want to talk about their emotions. Um, I think we're more being conditioned not to. My experience over the years has been that when you create a safe space for young men to, to talk about what they're going through, they open up and they share the depth of what's going on for them. And I've seen young men be very vulnerable. Some of the toughest, staunchest guys you might know actually open up and, and be real about what's happening. But the first step, I think, is practicing that vulnerability um, with people that you feel safe with, I guess, um, and starting to, to share that and be open about it with others. It's a really interesting observation that need to create a space. And often you will observe that intimacy with men, that personal intimacy mm. with men, when they're um, when they're in a setting just with one other. After I don't know, after a, a hugely stereotypical and talk about after a sports practice, I can think of actual one actual example about this. Um, or um, having a beer after work. It's often that one-on-one, side-by-side situation where the, the conversation will be had between father and son when there's a lot of the I'm the father, you're the son um, behaviour ingrained, quite rightly so. Do you need to almost create a space so that you don't fall into the normal behaviour of why haven't you this or where's this? or looking staunch and in control yourself, do you need to actually practically try and create some opportunities? Yeah. Yeah, I think you do. And I think it's just it's about being really aware. You know, we're not going to get it right every time. I, I know I still revert back to those old narratives sometimes. Um, an example is just the other day, my, my young boy was sort of sitting down crying about something. And, you know, the first thing in me was like, oh, you're all right, toughen up. But... You know, I checked myself and ended up just sitting down with him and saying, hey, it's okay, you know, what's going on, tell me about it. And so just modelling that that's all right, you know, um, and I think we can do that from a young age, starting to teach our sons that, you know, these tears that you have, it's okay, you know, if you're, if you're feeling these emotions, we can process that with you. And so it will take a lot of relearning for, for us as fathers, I think, to, I guess, check the narratives we've been taught. But if we're, if we're intentional about it, if we actually stay aware of it, then our sons won't grow up with the same mentality. Again, a really interesting observation that you take a perfectly normal response. It's distraction sometimes, isn't it? A little kid falls and scrapes their knee. You're fine, back on the bike. And that's a perfectly legitimate response. But what you're saying is if you open up the, the odd opportunity when they're young to say to acknowledge someone's upset and they're crying and to treat it differently and to sit and ask them to talk, you're actually beginning to train them into a response they might be reluctant to make when they're a little bit older if it hasn't become normal. Yeah, it's about teaching, I guess, emotional maturity um, that young people can actually learn how to cope with their emotions. A lot of what um, we see with the young people we work with is they haven't learned how to manage their emotions. So, you know, they get to um, a space where they're extremely vulnerable and they start to try and mask what's going on through, whether it be addiction or, you know, at-risk behaviour because they don't know how to deal with those emotions that they're experiencing. And so from a young age, we can teach them how to do that and it takes acknowledging that those emotions exist and then, you know, sitting with them and helping them process that. And so don't tell boys, hey, just toughen up, get over it. Don't don't try to distract them from it. Say, okay, this is hard. You know, this is a disappointment that you've had or this is a hard thing and, and you're hurt because of that. I can see that. Tell me about what's going on. Actually open up the dialogue and, and let them process that. And by doing that, you're teaching them that this is a healthy way to respond to this emotion. I can experience this emotion and it's okay for me to talk about it. Why do you believe boys are vulnerable to depression 
And, and at what sort of stage, particularly from your experience, can this become a problem for them? Well, obviously there's, there's, there's a range of reasons. Um, I guess past trauma is something that, that can, can cause it. We're living in an age where there's a lot of disconnect with technology, a lot of young people not being connected to others. Um, and then I think there's also a part where where fathers are sort of going through that themselves and haven't been able to actually express what's happening on that, that can affect their, their sons as well. I've been very aware of that with my own journey of of learning to be open with what I'm going through so that my son doesn't misread, um, I guess, when I'm struggling as reflective of him. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of different factors that can lead to the depression. I think the, the important thing is just creating space where it's not taboo, um, where if you're experiencing these emotions, it's healthy to talk about it. That mental health is, you know, really understood as part of your holistic health, um, instead of being something we're scared to bring up. So when you say you've you've had your own experiences, clearly that you're mm-hmm. you're telling us about, are you very conscious that your own struggles, you want to make sure your son. Um, doesn't feel part of them or doesn't feel, as you say, that there's something wrong with him. Are you quite open with, with him? Or at what point do you believe you will be quite open with him about about straight-out mental yeah. health challenges? Yeah, I mean, he's quite young right now, but I, I think from the beginning um, it's, it's about being open around when I am struggling. That you know, And obviously at an age-appropriate level, but saying, hey, you know, Dad's feeling a bit down right now. It's okay, you know. And, 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 and being being open to having those conversations. Um, obviously, at an age-appropriate level, that's you know, understandable for him, but so he understands that, you know, same as when you're sick, you tell your son, hey, I'm just going to take some medicine. Okay, Dad's not feeling too well. I'm going to go talk to someone about this. You know, we can model those things from an early age um, and actually teach our sons through how we live that this is an appropriate way to deal with this. Are mental health campaigns or greater awareness of mental health very high-profile TV campaigns, the great websites that are available now. Are they having an impact on changing some of these conversations? They're often targeted at, I guess, the individual themselves seeking help, isn't it? Your word is you as a father need to be on the lookout and with the skill set, the right kind of responses. Mm. Yeah, there's, I guess, a couple of things there. Um, the mental health campaigns are obviously creating more awareness, and we're having more public quarter about these things, which is which is great. But I, I think I've noticed that there hasn't been a lot of shift. Um, I think within a lot of, I guess, male culture, um, I still come across those really embedded stereotypes um, around mental health. And just last year, I was talking to someone um, who knew someone who had um, attempted suicide, and they were very um, blaming of that person and, and put all the responsibility on that person for what they were going through. And I think we've got a lot of work to, I guess, reframe what it means to be a man and, and mental health in general. Um, and so the mental health campaigns are great, but we need to start opening up those conversations. And I think it comes back to men creating space for other men to be vulnerable. Um, like you said, we always focus very much on the individual seeking help. But when you're in that place, when you're really struggling and you're a dark space, it's hard to reach out. You're just trying to survive. And 
unless you've got people around you that are really able to reach out and say, hey, no, you are safe here and you can talk about it and we get, then you know, you're going to be in a hard, hard space to actually access that help. And so I think we need to put more emphasis on community, you know, identifying what's going on for people and you know, reaching out to their friends and saying, hey, we're here for you. We see you're struggling. How can we help? What have you heard and learned over the years from some of the young people you've worked with about their experiences and also what they would like fathers to know? Yeah, good question. We see um, a lot of young people who, and young men who are just hurting. Um, I would see it a lot in the schools when I was working um, in schools around, around Auckland. You'd get young people being pulled up in front of, you know, principals and in huge trouble for acting out. And when you actually sit down and ask, hey, mate, what's going on? They would just be hurting and not wanting to talk. And um, I remember sitting down with a young man several years ago and you know, I'd only known him for two minutes and I asked him how he was going and you know, he told me everything, you know, real deep stuff that's going on for him. And no one had actually asked him, how are you doing? what's going on for you. We sometimes just expect our young men not to want to talk about those things or, you know, so we, you know, defer, we don't we don't face it head on, but I think a lot of young men, if you give them the opportunity, if you sit down with them, if you're genuine, they'll open up. And and that's one of the biggest things we can do to actually help our young men process this and, and um, be a huge protective factor um, around, it's just really sitting down and just saying, how are you doing and what's going on and I'm here for you. Often, and it's understandable, and it's um, coming from the right place, often this desire to solve problems too, and just, okay, here's the problem, take step A, B, C, and D, and actually the practical solution to the problem is masking something deeper. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. There's so much power in just listening to someone we uh, can be quite solution-focused. So the temptation is there to, to give advice and just say, hey, if you do this or, you know, if you do that, you'll be okay. But sometimes what people need is just to listen to them, just to sit with them and say, hey, yeah, this sucks. Tell me what's going on and be there for them. Um, those steps after can come. But first, I think we need to give people space to, to talk and to be real about where they are and what they're going through. Thanks very much, Aaron. Uh, the other thing that just occurs to me, looking at your um, work and helping people find housing, just how important is this to a person in their teens or early 20s who might be in a vulnerable situation for one or multiple reasons to get a decent place, a decent roof over their heads? How important is that to their well-being and their progress? Oh, that's huge. Um Youth homelessness is a massive, a massive issue um, across Auckland and I guess across New Zealand. Um, it's not one that's normally highlighted that much, but if you speak to any sort of youth practitioners in the country, they'll tell you that it's one of the top, top issues. And as you can imagine, the trauma and the fear that sort of grows the anxiety for a young person who doesn't know where they're going to sleep tonight or is sleeping on the street and is vulnerable to abuse or to, um, you know, all manner of, of risks um, is a huge detriment to our rangatahi's mental health. So the quicker we solve that crisis, I think, the better for our young people in general. Thank you very much, Aaron Hendry. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 